Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast. Patriotic American citizen, I'm Ted Flint, your host. And as uh, most of you know, if you listen to this program on a regular basis, you know that I work for the New York State Legislature, the Assembly in particular, the Assembly Republican Conference, going on 18 years. And the Assembly Democrats and the Senate Democrats are focused they're like a laser on taking away our constitutional freedoms, or at least infringing upon them little by little, incrementally, you might say. So the, the gun laws in the state, which are among the toughest in the nation, got tougher this week. The Assembly and Senate both passed bills that the governor will sign into law, certainly. And they're aimed at holding gun makers, gun manufacturers, and gun shops accountable for, you know, people who get shot by uh, no fault of their own in many cases, they're victims of crimes. They have a right, they're more easily able now to sue gun manufacturers if they are shot. Don't focus on the criminals or the people holding the weapons, but focus on the gun makers. That's what Democrats in New York State are focused on. So this package that was passed into law or certainly adopted by both houses includes banning the sale of so-called ghost guns and it would also ban the sale of pieces of guns that are not licensed. Now, most of these guns used in crimes are not legal. Any, uh, any given weekend here in Albany, but in most major cities, Chicago, last weekend from Friday to Monday of last week, 60 people were shot in the city of Chicago. And I would venture to guess none of these guns that were used in the crimes committed were, were legal. 60 people in four days, including an 11-year-old girl shot in the back. Why not go after the people perpetrating the crimes instead of going after the gun makers? Anyway, that's what's going on in the legislature. Part of the series of these new gun bills passed by the Assembly, the Senate already passed them. Uh, Three-quarters of these guns, according to the Assembly, if you believe anything they say, uh, recovered from crime scenes are from out of state. So they think by clamping down on making the gun laws stricter, somehow it's going to reduce those numbers. I'm not sure that's going to happen. We need to focus on the criminals. We need to take the criminals out of society. And uh, that's all there is to it. You do what you have to do to control crime. Let cops be cops. But the left doesn't operate that way. They want to focus on our constitutional freedom. Somehow taking the guns away from law-abiding citizens will make everybody safer. We know that's not the case. They know that's not the case. But it's, it's about the agenda. The left-wing, communist, basically communist agenda. And leftists are driven by, in my experience, I think they're they're driven by two factors, fear and narcissism. They're afraid of everything. They're afraid of guns. They're afraid of climate change. They're afraid of Donald Trump. They're afraid of COVID. I mean, I'm not crazy about COVID-19 either. I'm not going to go out and try to get get the virus. But they're just, the, 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 the fear that they have of these things is inordinate, in my view. Let's focus on, let's talk about, we're talking about guns. The AR-15 is a favorite target of leftists. Oh, we got to get the AR-15 off the market. Well, why are they so afraid of the AR-15? Well, because they'll say it's designed to kill a lot of people quickly, which it is. It's a military-grade firearm. But let's look at the statistical probability of somebody getting shot by an AR-15 or by somebody holding an AR-15. It's not likely. According to the FBI which does not track the stats on specific rifles, but does track the stats on all rifles and shotguns. As it turns out, only 6% of all gun deaths in this country involve rifles each year, roughly 6%. So how much of that 6% is caused by the use of military-grade 
rifles, such as the AR-15? Well, it's not possible to say, but let's just say it were half, 3% of all gun-related crimes. That would still mean you would have a far greater chance of being murdered by someone with a knife or by a blunt object than you would by somebody holding an AR-15. Rifles are dwarfed by handgun murders. I, I mentioned the, the, the shootings in Chicago last week. All of those shootings were done by uh, pistols, handguns. So why is the AR-15 the target of communists and leftists? I, I don't know. I, I just think it's, they think maybe they could pass some kind of legislation and they can say to their constituents, look, we're doing something about the gun crimes. We're taking the, the AR-15 out of the hands of people who, you know, legally own them in most cases. Now, I'm going to, this is according to the New York Times. According to the New York Times' own analysis, the AR-15 was used to kill 173 people in mass shootings in this country from 2007 to 2017. That's about 17 homicides per year over a decade attributed to that rifle, which is I mean, all those lives are precious, obviously. I'll give you another stat here. This according to the FBI. This is the numbers of people killed in this country that were murdered by uh, rifles of all kinds. 364 in 2019, according to the FBI. That's the, uh, the year, the latest figures they have. 364 homicides committed with a rifle of all kinds. 600 were killed by personal weapons, i.e. fists, uh, feet, Hands. Knives and cutting tools were used in 1,476 homicides. Using that logic, Joe Biden and company, they should be going after your cutlery, not your, your rifles. But they don't care about truth and about facts. They care about just pursuing their own agenda. All right, so that's what's happening in New York State. They're going after firearms. They're going after your Second Amendment rights. Uh, another thing I want to mention here, we'll talk more uh, in depth about this tomorrow. My daughter's going to do a, a podcast with me tomorrow because she's just fin finishing up her senior year at Cambridge Central School. And the big, the big issue there, it's been, I guess, the big issue for the better part of the year is whether or not the Cambridge Indian mascot gets scrapped. Now, the leftists on the school board they're always on these boards. Conservatives complain, they call talk radio, and they, they bitch and moan about things. But, you know, you need to be on your local school board because that's where policy is made. The Democrats know that. They don't waste time writing letters to the editor. They just get on boards, town board, school board, planning board, and they control everything. That's the same in our, in our district. We have five members on the school board, three of whom are liberals, the other two conservatives. As of July 1st, the board makeup will change. It'll be three, two conservatives. And that's significant because right now the numbers are in the Democrats' favor. They want to scrap the Cambridge Indian mascot. It's been the mascot for Cambridge, I, I don't know, maybe 100 years for decades. And the liberals say, well, it's offensive. Offensive to whom? To them, to white liberals. One of the new members is a full-blooded Oneida Indian, played football for the Cambridge football team. He's in favor of keeping the mascot. He's proud of the heritage. He's proud of the symbolism and what it, what it symbolizes, history and tradition, strength. But the liberals say, now, somebody might be offended by that. So they're looking to get rid of it. And it's a long story. And I'll have my daughter. She'll, she's better able to explain it to you because she's involved in the political goings on in, uh, in the village. And everything is highly politicized here in our little town, our, our little village. I mean, at 3,000 people in the town and village. But it's kind of a microcosm, as I've mentioned, of what's going on uh, statewide and nationally. The deep divisions 
it's about yes about donald trump in part but it's about your your rights your personal freedoms because you have half the country believe that government can do everything better for you than you can do for yourself and you have the other half of the country believing in personal liberty and the right of american citizens to make their own decisions whether it includes wearing masks to combat against COVID-19 or to protect us against COVID-19, or do you have the government step in with all these mandates and all these shutdowns? A deep divide here in our, our little village. We'll talk about the mascot. It made lo local news. I guess Channel 13 led with it Thursday, I think, of this past week. So we'll talk to my daughter about that tomorrow. I want to talk a little bit about Burger King because I always liked Burger King food. I, I always thought it was better than McDonald's food for what that's worth. That's not a, a you know high bar to actually aim for, but I always like the fish majig, their fish sandwich, Burger King's fish, and uh, I thought the hamburger was a you know a, a better quality. Anyway, Burger King is being called out for its apparent anti-Christian bigotry over its newest promotion. They want to subsidize the LGBTQ agenda. Okay, that's fine. You going after that? That's your target audience. Fine. You're going to lose half your business, more than half, because liberals don't eat at Burger King. I, I just I'm going to go out on a limb, and I don't have any scientifical data to support that. Steve Cortez is a former Trump campaign staffer. He posted recently on social media, first, Burger King food is terrible, his opinion. Secondly, we should welcome the acceleration of the great sorting. This corporation makes it clear it mocks Christians and other religious people and does not want our business. So be it. The reaction came after the company launched a promotion of a new product. They're looking to make a chicken sandwich. And they're promising to give 40 cents of each sandwich sold to the human rights campaign. It's a massive homosexual and transgender rights campaigner. All right, fine. They're, they're looking to compete. I think the, the ultimate competitor here is Chick-fil-A. And of course, they can't compete with Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A's food is superior. From what I hear, we don't have any around here because the great Northeast. I mean, they're, they're going to keep Chick-fil-A out as best they can. I guess there's a Chick-fil-A in the uh, airport terminal at the Albany International Airport, but I haven't flown in years, so why would I go to the airport to get a Chick-fil-A sandwich? But anyway, the, the target is the Chick-fil-A chain, whose owners have in the past stated their support for a traditional marriage, which is one man, one woman. That's marriage. That's how God defined marriage. The first wedding, Jesus attended the first wedding in Cana. One man, one woman, not two men, two women, not two men, three men, four goats, you know, three sheep, one man, one woman. That's marriage. Now, you know what's happening nowadays. Everybody's got their own definition of marriage because the government has gotten involved and has defined marriage and then undefined marriage. The government should not define marriage. I have a libertarian view on this because if the government defines what marriage is, then they can turn around and change it as they did in, uh, with Obama. DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act, stated that marriage was between one man and one woman. Then Obama and Clinton, they, Hillary Clinton, came along and changed the definition of it. You don't want government defining marriage. Anyway, so they're after Chick-fil-A. Burger King is also experimenting with turning an outlet into a 100% meat-free restaurant, which would be great for liberals. They don't eat meat. They believe that's, you know, we should reduce... Uh, <laughs> consumption of meat. We, need, we don't need as many cows around because of the cow flatulence. It's causing all this carbon dioxide to go into the air and it's causing global, global warming. So they want meat-free restaurants, Burger King. Okay, go after that audience. Anybody who eats at Burger King is not going to eat a meat-free cheeseburger or whatever they serve. But they've, I, I guess here, reading this report, I forget where I got this from, I think Town Hall, 
They've been accused of having employees trick customers into upsizing their meals. I wouldn't doubt it. This came under criticism, according to USA Today, for a likely ill-advised women-belong-in-the-kitchen social media statement on International Women's Day. This is from Burger King. Women belong in the kitchen. Now they're going to try to walk it back and support LGBTQ rights and and have meat-free food and all this other nonsense. Burger King is going under. You know, you know things are rough when the Bennington Burger King, they shut down. Nobody goes there. Food stinks. I agree with the uh, former Trump guy there, Steve Cortez. It used to be good. I, as I said, the Fishamajig, I used to love the Fishamajig in their chocolate milkshakes. But, you know, that was in a, a younger day. The food stinks. And they can't compete with McDonald's for whatever reason. So Burger King backing the gays and the uh, and uh, the LGBTQ agenda, that's fine. That's that's the end of that. You'll see them go under. You'll see them go under. All right, we're going to run here, folks. If you want to listen to this program, we have a host of fine shows. In addition to the Pac-Man podcast, we have the Ken and Mike show. We have the Ken Burns show. We have uh, Mic'd Up with Mike Hansen. And the newest edition... Oh, I almost forgot the Kristen Coons with her fine program, Set Apart. And the uh, newest addition to the BMG Network lineup is Adrian Ross. Listen to her fine show, too. And we also have uh, columns for you. The PAC Perspective. Uh, Ken, has, uh, Ken Burns has some columns up there as well for you to read. So check it all out. Go to the bmgnetwork.com. And if you want to contact me directly, go to Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, all lowercase, at the bmgnetwork.com. We'll talk to you soon if the good Lord wills it. And again, we'll have my daughter on with us the next podcast, probably tomorrow or certainly by Monday. So have a great day, great weekend. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flitt.